Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rugby Pick'em. Today's special guest is Mike Matarazzo. We spoke 18 months ago at the USA Pathways camp. A lot's happened since then, but this year Mike's suiting up for the Chicago Hounds. <laughs> and I'm really excited for his future. Mike's a guy's guy. He's the type of guy you want to play with, type of guy you want to be around. So, enjoy. Oh, welcome back to Rugby Pick'em. I'm BT, here with a very, very special guest I'd like to welcome in. Another Pathways fella, Mikey Matarazzo, or as I like to call him, Mikey Mats. How you doing today? Good, BT. Thanks for being my biggest hype man. Uh, you know that I'm capable. I'm a glue guy, I'm a hype man, whatever you need. Um, it's been a really amazing couple weeks here, getting to know all the players on the Pathways team. But thanks for uh, inviting me in your apartment and hopping on the mic. Of course. Excited to, to have a chat. Now, for those that don't know, give you a little background on Mike. 6'4", let's say 240, 245, no sweat. Built like an Adonis. Uh, <laughs> but most importantly, he is a leader. He was named captain to this little Pathways program team that we got going on here. So I'm honored to interview you. But let's take the audience, the viewer, back in time. Where are you from? I'm from Staten Island, New York. Can you say it with a bit better of an accent? <laughs> well, it's, it's not Staten Island. It's Staten Island. Got it. So you have to take out the I. Staten Island. Yep. Got it. And um, growing up, played a lot of sports? I was. I was a baseball and a basketball player. Uh, played baseball all through high school. That was my main sport. Um, Going into college, I was I was thinking about playing baseball too, uh, but we'll get into into it later. But uh, rugby turned out to be my my main sport, and I'm I'm grateful that that's the case. Now, did you know that you were like as you're getting bigger, you go through puberty, you're one of the biggest dudes, baddest dudes on the block. Were you like maybe baseball is not going to be my deal, or did you just love the purity of it? You know, you're a New Yorker, you, baseball is in your blood. Yeah, I, I think it's mostly just how huge baseball was on Staten Island, and I was never a football player. I, I don't know why, because my size would have been great for football, um, but that's just how it turned out, and size does help in baseball too, just not as much, because um, obviously you don't have that physical aspect to the sport, but I did a little bit of pitching, and, and uh, I was a first and third baseman, so you know your classic uh, like height, height and weight profile for those positions nice did you get the special first baseman's glove of course with the little extra cushioning mm -hmm. nice nice first base to me was like the ultimate you hit for power you barely do shit on the defensive diamond and uh you're just good at throwing it around the horn after an out yeah i was i was a pretty good power hitter uh where'd you bat in the line my defense was decent too I, I was usually like a four to six batter and then the, the funny thing was, as a pitcher, I always used to throw super hard, but I could never throw a strike. So basically, if you put me in, it'd be a strikeout or a walk every time. Or a beamed batter. Or yeah, sometimes. Nice, nice. So you could throw gas, just couldn't locate. Exactly. I love it. I love it. And um, you say you hit in the four to six hole. More of a slugging guy? Not really a hit for percentage? Uh, later in, in my high school career, when I got bigger and stronger, I was more of a power hitter. 
Uh, so I kind of had to grow into that. Okay. I just wanted to flex with my baseball knowledge right there. Just throw in a couple metrics there. We could get into OPI, but, you know, it is a rugby podcast. So, you know, you're this athletic baseball guy. You're, you're getting recruited here and there by baseball schools. And tell me if I'm wrong, the majority of the good baseball schools are in the South. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or in Texas or out in California. Okay. Uh, any of them jump off the page to you that you were honestly considering? Uh, I was looking more at Division three schools, some Division two, maybe could have played lower level Division one. Um, but basically, when I was going through re- recruiting for baseball, it came down to going to uh, a Division three school like uh, Johns Hopkins, or maybe something in Division one like Villanova, or going to Notre Dame, which is where I ended up going, but not being able to play baseball. Now. If the audience wasn't born yesterday, they'd know that these are high academic schools. So obviously you're a bright kid, you value a good education. Uh, you ended up going with Notre Dame, mm-hmm. Fighting Irish, South Bend, Indiana. Some say it's the staple of the Midwest. The crossroads of America. Yeah. And um, yeah, you just, just pulled the trigger on ND, huh? Mm-hmm. Now, what led to you coming out to the rugby pitch and starting this blossoming career yeah so coming from Staten Island uh, there's really three main sports you play baseball basketball or football so I had never even heard of rugby until I got to college Uh, I'd never seen it didn't know anything about it but a guy that lived across the hall from me happened to play and maybe two weeks into the season I got to know him and he said you know you're a big guy You're, you're coming out to rugby training today and I did um, and it turns out that that training session was the only straight fitness session of the entire season. Nice. So good way to break me in as a rugby player. Who was he, by the way? His name's Griff Gilmore. So shout out Griff. Uh, I think he's in Philadelphia right now in med school. So I hope that's going well. Griff Gilmore. That's a good rugby name right there. Good alliteration on the G's. Yep. Cla- uh, classic Irish fellow. Nice. Nice. So you come out, you get absolutely gassed, you're running 100% fitness. Did you just tell yourself, if I don't show up, the next day I'm the biggest pussy in the world and you had to come back? (laughs) That was part of it. Yeah, I couldn't get scared off by the fitness. Um, But the first two weeks were honestly super frustrating. Like uh, being a, a, a decent baseball player in high school and then coming out to rugby and not knowing anything, um, I felt like I was messing up drills didn't know what I was doing. You were. Um, you did. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I remember I, there's multiple times where I would try to go play scrum half at a ruck, and my scrum half, uh, Jake Randall, who's you know, he, he he's a good player, but he would get so pissed at me because I I was always going to the rucks trying to take his ball. So uh, shout out Jake as well. I love it though, but like that's the. You, you have to take that risk as someone learning a new sport. I think new rugby players have to show so much vulnerability because they're usually top solid athletes and you have to fucking suck at something for three, four, five, six straight weeks until you pick up the pieces. When did you feel it start to click um, in your freshman year? It took a while, uh, maybe even more than a year, honestly. Like, I started to understand the basics of the game, but before I felt like I knew rugby and I was actually a rugby player, it probably took a full year. Did you crack the lineup in that first year? I 
did. I did. As they a, couldn't resist that frame. Did, yeah, they <laughs> they put me in at, at lock as soon as they could and just threw me to the wolves. Uh, I think my first start was for for a side at Notre Dame was against Indiana, which was a pretty good team at the time. And I think Bryce Campbell might have been playing for them at that point. Uh, I think he was probably a senior at IU and it was right before he, he got his Eagles call up. Yeah. And do you have this moment where like it just clicked for you maybe in your sophomore year, junior year? Like were you always this big and strong or did that take work to kind of put more muscle on that frame and um, get yourself really rugby ready? Yeah, that definitely took a while. Uh, I didn't really start lifting seriously until I got to college. So my whole freshman year I, I was – you know, really putting on muscle, and then by the time I was, I was a junior. Uh, actually, as a sophomore is probably when it started to click. I, I was picked as an All-American as a sophomore, and then once I went to that camp and started to see what what you know high-level, uh, high-performance rugby was like, that's when it when I you know saw the opportunities in rugby, and it, it, it I got a lot more serious about it. Well, let's digress. Where was that camp, and who were some of the characters that you met there? That was right here in Glendale, Colorado, where we are now. Paul Emmerich, our coach right now, is actually one of the coaches there. So I got to meet a lot of good college rugby players that I played throughout the years. Now some guys that are in MLR. So it was, that, was a, that was a great experience. And that was my first time seeing, seeing real rugby. Is that where you may have thought to yourself, like, I could do something with this beyond just being an A-side player at Notre Dame? Yeah, um, I could tell just in terms of reading the game, I was still, I was still behind. But in terms of skill and and uh, just like body type and all that, I could tell that you can you can say it. you were you were balling dudes over, right? <laughs> you were giving people the business here and there. Yeah, nice. So you go back to Notre Dame your junior year, a much more confident player. Tell me a bit about the program. Who's, uh, who's the guy that really makes things tick over there in South Bend? Yeah, so Justin Hickey is the head coach, um, and he's been a huge part of my rugby career. He, uh, so he started when I was a freshman, actually. That was his first year at Notre Dame as head coach. Um, and he's not only a, a, a real good rugby coach on the field, he's also just a great organizer of the program. And it's really exciting seeing what, where they're at now and following the team after I've graduated. Uh, when I first got out there, we'd be lucky to have a 15 on 15 in training sometimes with injuries and stuff like that. Now they've got 50 to 60 guys coming out. They've got uh, like brand new stands and cameras and stuff at the, at the field. So they, they're doing a great job and I'm, I'm hoping within the next three to five years that they're you know, one of the top five to 10 programs in the country. I think that's totally possible. Nice. So you're able to leverage rugby and a good education. Now, I, I know you also hustle on the side. Uh, tell me a bit, little bit about this summer internship uh, that you had back in the day. Yes, I, I happen to be a finance major at Notre Dame. and No big deal. Yeah, finance and political science. Not to brag. Uh, but I did, after my sophomore year and after my junior year, I did some internships in finance at a, a hedge fund and uh, a hedge fund in Connecticut and a private equity firm in Chicago. And basically what I learned from those was that I didn't like finance very much. 
so I like the markets and, and investing and things like that, but I, I kind of figured out that uh, working at a hedge fund wasn't for me. So yeah. that sort of made the rugby decision easier as well because I, I understood that this is what I love to do and uh, it wouldn't feel right if I, if I didn't pursue rugby to the fullest. Right, because it, it's, it's kind of related to, to money, right? Money and time are correlated. You got your whole life to go out and earn a paycheck and invest and you know if you want to be one of those 20 year olds working 80 90 hour weeks you know crushing yourself um go for it but you instead probably screwed in your head and you're like let's make this professional rugby deal work right so continue to have massive success at notre dame senior year do you guys have any any big wins you want to you want to brag about you want to shout about so unfortunately, the the spring semester of oh, my senior year, so the second half was COVID. Shit. Yeah. So there was a a good stretch, maybe like a year and a half to two years, where I had played in the the last game for Notre Dame rugby because they just hadn't. Unfortunately, the guys hadn't played for a while. Um, so we missed out on on a seven season, uh, and still haven't had a an official graduation from Notre Dame. All right. But hopefully, they're they're planning it for next sum next summer. So. We'll see. Yeah. But you were part of the original MLR draft. I was. Um, now, <laughs> they made it to be a bit more of a spectacle than it was, right? It's about a bunch of names on paper. The coaches go watch the film, make some calls, and they read them out with uh, Dan Power, obviously, leading a, a great little CBS show right there. But did you know that your name was going to get called on draft day when you signed up to be a part of it? I didn't know until a few days before. Um, I, I Actually, my plan was I was supposed to go to Durham University in England, uh, get a master's there and just play some, play some rugby out in, in northern England uh, to toughen me up. Uh, but when the draft rolled around, Atlanta called me a few days before. Who specifically? Uh, I believe it was, it was Blake Bradford first, the forwards coach. And then Scott Lawrence called me the next day. Uh, and they told me, it was, just, it was a stressful time actually, because they told me they were going to call me up again about five to ten minutes before the draft. And if everything went well, they would say they had drafted me. And they didn't call me until maybe 30 seconds before the pick went up on, on TV. Ooh, so you were a little like Aaron Rodgers in the green room, just sweating. Mm-hmm. Nice. And uh, I happened to be with all my friends from school on, on a road trip. So I had told all of them, you know, we got to watch the draft tonight. I think I'm going to get picked. And then we're sitting there and I hadn't gotten the call yet. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to look like such an idiot if I don't get picked right now. But uh, luckily it all, it all worked out and I, I went at number eight. Number eight overall. First ever MLR draft. You'll always be a part of that history. Um, ATL calls your number. A program that was entering its first year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now the 2020 season got canceled, um, but you hung around the program, lived in Atlanta, trained with the guys. Obviously, you played at a high level in college, but tell me about what the transition was. Was it a huge step up? It is a huge jump. Uh, you, tell I mean, the young kids. Yeah, I mean, you're going from playing college kids that you know are drinking all weekend and maybe lift a couple times a week and then go play rugby on Saturday to in the MLR you're playing guys with super rugby experience and, and test caps. So it's a huge difference. And the, the first thing I noticed was the physical difference. 
So I had to put on about 20 pounds when I, when I got to Atlanta before I actually felt comfortable in, in contact. Um, and then after that, it's just the complexity of, of systems, uh, especially in set piece. Um, like being a, a second row, back row, a lot of my job revolved around the line out. And it's just going from a college line out to an MLR line out is going from like sixth grade to, you know, organic chemistry in, in, in college. It's yeah. a huge jump. Multiplication tables to pre-calc. Exactly. And that was also a good pun uh, with it's a huge jump when we're talking <laughs> about lineouts. That's good. ATL comes back after COVID, has an amazingly successful year, right? In, in an Eastern Conference where we were hearing New York's going to run the table, Toronto's got this tough team, here come the scrappy, scrappy kids from Atlanta. Um, you guys absolutely dominated the Eastern Conference, and you did it with grit. You did it with toughness. Um, tell me a bit about the 2021 season. Now, I know you only got one cap. I know a fucking fiery competitor like yourself probably looks back and says, I, I should have got more playing time. And, and that's, that's your right to think that. And I, I love that You know, even some players who are humble, like they should want that. Um, but what was it like learning under guys, you know, really, really experienced veterans um, in that forward pack. What was that What was that year like? Yeah, there, there was so much talent in the Atlanta forward pack. And the best thing about it was everybody there was super willing to, to help me out and help in my development. And I asked guys so many questions and they, they never had an issue with that. Um, and like you mentioned, Atlanta doesn't win with super complex attacking patterns or anything like that. It's, it's brutal physicality. And that was probably what my, my weakness coming from college. So it was great to be thrown into that system and basically say, you know, sink or swim. You're gonna have to be physical and you're gonna have to hit people if you wanna play on this, on this team and at, at the MLR level. What's uh, Scott Lawrence like as a coach? He's super intense. Uh, that's, that's the first word I would use. Definitely a, a really good coach um, and somebody that's super focused on getting better at, at what he does. Yeah. No, I mean, just watching you guys, and I think the Guiltinis were like the odds-on favorite all year. I got a little bit of my hopes up that, that you, you guys were going to play, you know, upset in that championship game. I was rooting for my guy Missile to make a play. But I think in general, just the whole league's going to be on lookout, right? For, for every single year for ATL. Like, I feel like you'll never be bottom of the table because the connection with life, it's real, right? We'll skip ahead to Pathways where we are right now. We just played the 404 team that came into town. But they also put on a whole ARP schedule with Life University. I mean, Atlanta is a deep, deep team who's able to play pretty much two legit professional-ish sides in the fall. What are the numbers like at training? Like, is there a group that is reserved for rugby ATL and then you have guys playing underneath? What's, like, the whole setup like? There's a lot of guys. I'm pretty sure you could fact-check me on this, but I'm pretty sure Atlanta had the largest active roster in the MLR. I think we were up almost near 40 players. Um, well, to stay under the cap, they probably paid you dog shit. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll glaze over that. <laughs> um, but, you know, so there's, there's a core group of guys, and then there's some other guys from, uh, you know, from local programs or from the 404 or from life that will come in and train as well. Um, 
So I imagine everyone's pretty accountable, right? Like you're not just there saying, I got a starting job, I can coast, right? Every single day it's a dogfight. Yeah, it's constant competition. I mean, there's so much depth in Atlanta that if, if you underperform for a few weeks, you're getting pulled. Yeah. Nice, nice, man. Well, that brings us, you know, to where we are now in time. Um, Dallas Jackals. Signed a, a deal with them. You're going to be the face of the franchise, as I like to say. There's a reason they announced you first. Um, I'm super ecstatic. Like I'm part of the, the Jackal Den now. I'm going to be wearing my, my number eight. You think you slotted eight? We'll see. Whatever number you're wearing, I'm going to have it on my back this season. Um, really excited for the opportunity you're taking down in Dallas because it's a blank slate, man. It's an expansion team. And there's nowhere to go but up because there quite literally is no track record. Actually, the only track record they have was kind of pulling out last second. But all things given with COVID, like I'll give Elaine Bassey a lot of credit, right? She hung in there. She's probably spent a lot of time on the phone with players like yourself building that roster out. What excites you the most about this new chapter in your rugby career? There's a few things about Dallas that that drew me immediately. And I'd say the first one is how focused they are on developing young American players. Um, I think that's going to be a big part of what you see on on the Jackals next season. And then second is right from the beginning before a game has even been played, a big part of their philosophy is playing an exciting game of rugby, an exciting style of rugby, Um, which... You know, no offense to Atlanta, they win games, but it's it's not always the most exciting attacking rugby, uh, which is there's nothing wrong with that when you're winning games. But I think my style as a player, I like to attack and I like to have the ball in my hands and I like to make plays. And I think Dallas is going to allow me to do that. Yeah, I'm super excited, man. You know, and, and I'll be your number one cheerleader, your glue guy all season. Um, but... One thing I notice, if I could kind of brag on your behalf, is you were the first guy I picked up at the airport, if you recall. Uh, day one of Pathways, you know, Ted gave me his truck, said, go get the guys at the airport. And I see this big, big blonde lock. I'm like, that's a rugby player, 100%. But the minute I got to know you and got to start talking with you, obviously, you know, we had similar interests with the markets and finance and whatnot. But I could tell you were here to learn and better yourself. Um, and you took it so damn serious from day one. Now, granted, we, we got kids 18 to 25 all over the spectrum. Some guys, rugby-ready professionals like yourself. Some are high schoolers, right? Straight out of whatever program that they were coming from where they got identified at, at a talent ID camp. Um, but I noticed the minute you took the field how serious you were and how you just led by example, right? And one thing I noticed is like, you really do have kind of a calmness to you and a patience, um, but when the standard isn't there, you're not afraid to fucking crawl up someone's ass, right? And let them know that they, that they gotta be better. And I think that makes for great captain qualities. And the team obviously had confidence in you, the coaches named you captain for these next couple of games. Um, but this interview will probably air a couple weeks or months down the line you have been selected to represent the USA A's down in Uruguay in Montevideo for the APC tournament. You stoked? I am. Diablo yeah. Espanol? No. <laughs> no I, don't, I don't either, but uh, it's going to be fun. It'll be great. Uh, this is going to be my first international tour. 
Um, and the first game we've got, I'm pretty sure, is Argentina's second team. So, you know, no time to, uh, to, to rest. It's going to be big competition, and I'm excited to, to test myself at that level. You talk about playing with flair. These South Americans, man, they'll throw backdoor chicken wing offloads all day. Yeah, yeah, when they're playing for their country, it's something else. Yeah. So you guys got three games down there, um, and that'll kind of wrap up your long, extensive year of rugby, right? Because you did the whole season with ATL. You came in, you did sevens. You were selected to participate in Rugby Town for the U23s, straight into the Pathways camp. Is Mike getting used to playing a lot of rugby? Yeah, I mean, I've been going nonstop now for you know, since the beginning of the MLR season. Um, and obviously I didn't play many games during the, the MLR season, but still training day in and day out is just something I'm used to now. Um, hopefully after this APC tour, I'll get a little bit of time back home, uh, time to you know put on some weight, uh, get back in the weight room and all that. Maybe hit the uh, batting cage? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm retired from baseball, done. Maybe some wiffle ball now and again. But, uh, yeah, it'll be good to, to spend the holidays home with some with family. Yeah. So a little game we like to play here on Rugby Pick'em, it's called Top 3. you got to win one game. You pick three guys to help you win that game in their prime, injury-free. Anybody you've shared the jersey with, who's it going to be? Anybody. So it can be from guys from Atlanta, guys from Notre Dame? Anyone. Okay. I haven't played too much uh, on too many different rugby teams, so... Picking from a small pool here, but I'll pick a couple. I'll pick two from Notre Dame, and I'll pick I'll pick one from Atlanta, just to to keep it fair. All right, let's shout him out. I'll say uh, the first guy. His name is Evan Slattery. He's from Notre Dame. He was a, a flanker, uh, a ginger, and just super fiery rugby player. Nice always pun. knew always knew he would make the big tackle. Um, unfortunately, his his career kind of got derailed by injuries, um, but I'd love to take the field with him again. Uh, and then I'd say my second player from ND would be our captain when I was a freshman. His name is Pat McMahon. Uh, had super similar build to me and was probably like the first really good rugby player I ever saw. Uh, so he was a hell of a guy to play with, really good leader as well. Uh, so I got, I got two forwards now. So you might need a playmaker. I kind of just want to go with a big team, just all, all beef. Right. Good, good. Um, I'll go with my one of my roommates from Atlanta, Johan Momsen, uh, another forward that I learned a lot from. Uh, you know, he's he's like the professor when it comes to lineouts. So I asked him a ton of questions this past year, but you know, he's another like skilled forward. And I think uh, on this team of, of four forwards that we've got, we're going to be fast, we're going to be physical, and we're going to be skilled. So I, I think we can beat anybody. That's Mikey's top three, including the fiery ginger. i got to give you credit for these puns. I don't even know if you're trying or not, but it's good stuff. It's absolutely phenomenal stuff. Um, we did some goal setting. You know, I, I took all the boys out for a meal, and I kind of... You know, I was trying to get get to know everybody on a, a better level, but also maybe push you guys to, you know, push yourselves and, and ask yourselves where you wanted to be and, and where you wanted to go. I asked you guys to do a one-year goal, five-year goal, and becoming an eagle was one of those where you didn't even fucking flinch. You just said it right there. Um, do you still feel like that's something that, obviously, you're on track to do it, right? You're, you've been selected for the team under the Eagles. 
Um, as you continue your professional career, what are the things that you think you have to do to get to that next level? Yeah, I think the first thing I have to do is just show what I know I can do on a professional level, right? And I, I think I've had the, the skill level and the talent to, to perform well at the MLR, MLR level for a while now, but I just have to go, go to Dallas and show that. Um, and hopefully if I play well enough and I perform, uh, the, the selectors will notice and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get caps eventually. I love it. Man's confident in what he does. When he takes the field, he can't help but notice. He walks with his shoulders back, head held high. Ladies and gentlemen, Mikey Matarazzo. We're going to be hardcore jackal gang this year. I'm going to be wearing my turquoise and white. What is it, teal or turquoise? I got to get I think that it's right. More, it's more of like a green than a blue. So I'm not sure where that is. On we'll, the go color spectrum. we'll go with teal. We'll go with teal. Uh, Globe Life Park, you're going to have an amazing home pitch. I don't know if you're going to fill 40,000 in the stadium, but that's another conversation for another day. Uh, but I'm definitely getting down to Dallas for a game. Maybe you can hook it up with the VIP. Who knows? Uh, but, Mike, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure uh, being your team manager as, as you guys have come here and done this camp. And I wish you nothing but success in Uruguay and, and in life. I appreciate you, BT. Thank you again for, for being one of my biggest supporters for these last few months and uh, helping me feel at home in, in Glendale. Cheers, Mike. Six four, let's say two forty, two forty five. No sweat. So you could throw gas, just couldn't locate. South Bend, Indiana. Some say it's the staple of the Midwest, the crossroads of America. <laughs> so I had never even heard of rugby until I got to college. Uh, I'd never seen it. Didn't know anything about it, but a guy that lived across the hall from me happened to play. And maybe two weeks into the season, I got to know him. And he said, you know, you're a big guy. You're, you're coming out to rugby training today. And I did. Um, and it turns out that that training session was the only straight fitness session of the entire season. His name's Griff Gilmore. So shout out, Griff. That sort of made the rugby decision easier as well because I understood that this is what I love to do and uh, it wouldn't feel right if I, if I didn't pursue rugby. Sixth grade to you know organic chemistry in in, in college. It's yeah. a huge jump. It's not Staten Island. It's Staten Island. Gotcha. So you have to take out the I.
Know your role.